You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. Traveling through this world of woe There is no sickness, no toil, nor danger In that bright land to which I go Welcome to Cinema Geekly's Last of Us podcast. It is Anthony and Aurora, and this is Clickerbait, and we are here to talk about more of The Last of Us Season 1, Episode 7 on HBO and HBO Max, Left Behind, it's called Aurora. Maybe you've heard of this uh, episode title before. If you're familiar with the video game at all, you two are probably familiar with that name because that is the title of the DLC for The Last of Us Part 1. Actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I haven't thought about this at all, but I'm a little mad we didn't get a DLC for part two. I mean, I don't know what they could have done as a DLC for part two, but I just mm. want I just want DLC for part two. I know they're making yeah. I they're they're putting out like the so the first game had like a multiplayer aspect to it or whatever. Like an yeah, online yeah. multiplayer aspect. And I know they're putting that out again. Like they're remastering it or they're reintroducing it as its own thing or whatever. And I love Last of Us so much that I'm thinking about possibly jumping into that, even though I hate online multiplayer shooter games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yes, the, that's the, it's the, the DLC episode, Aurora, that we don't have to pay for because it's just part of the regular season. <laughs> and they. <laughs> <laughs> they covered pretty much everything. They did. The only yes. stuff they left out is the stuff that has been typically left out in the show. And it's the thing that people are constantly and regularly complaining about. And I'm sure that we will touch on that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about the events of episode seven. So it picks up immediately where, well, maybe a few days after uh, we left off with Joel being mortally wounded. Ellie and an injured Joel are sheltered in an abandoned house, and Joel is on the verge of death, and he urges Ellie to leave him. And as she is about to begrudgingly leave, we get a flashback. Like, in that moment, for Ellie, it's like a few seconds, but for us, it's a whole episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she remembers back to her time at Fedra Military School, which she attended with her best friend, Riley. While Ellie causes trouble and gets into a fight with her peers, Riley ran away to become... Well, she ran away and was missing for three, three weeks. But when she comes back, she reveals to Ellie that she has joined the Fireflies. She brings Ellie to an abandoned mall where they explore a photo booth, an arcade, a carousel. And Riley tells Ellie that the Fireflies have assigned her to a post in Atlanta and that this is her last night in Boston. While Ellie is initially upset, she convinces Riley to stay and they kiss. An infected attacks them and Ellie manages to kill it, but both get bitten during the struggle. Tearfully, they decide to stay together and wait for the infection to take hold. 
In the present, Ellie finds a sewing needle and begins to stitch up Joel's wound. Now, that really glosses over what happens to Ellie in that moment. Yeah. But that is the gist of what happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on episode seven? It was cool. I mean, like you said, they they stayed through to the DLC. Um, It was cool to see it in this context. Um, Yeah. Especially, you know, the arcade scene. And I love that they recreated the Halloween store. Yes! I was so <laughs> yeah. happy. Um, like, everything was so, like, exact. Mm-hmm. They did a great uh, job. They did an amazing job. I would say that I don't think that this episode was the best episode of the season. No. Um, but, I mean, there's been better episodes. But yeah. it, it does uh, kind of, like give it was kind of like a little gift i think for the yeah. people that enjoy the game that's exactly uh, what the dlc yeah. was as well yes. like it, yeah. it gave you this depth like it gave you more of who is ellie yes and i think yeah. they absolutely nailed that um mm-hmm. the thing that gets left out in this and it's the a thing that i've seen often criticized here and a lot of people uh, have noted this, that the show is kind of light on action. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I, I get that. But I, I don't know. I've never looked at The Last of Us as an... I mean, it, I guess it is an action game, but, you know, short of being... I don't think The Last of Us would be what The Last of Us is if it was... And no offense to Telltale games, because you and I both love Telltale games. Mm -hmm. But if it was a Telltale game instead of the action game that it is, I don't think it would have ever reached the heights and awareness that The Last of Us has. So, like, you needed those combat elements and all of those things. But, you know, so basically they included everything about Ellie and Riley. Virtually everything. But they excluded the part where... Ellie in the present time is in like another, like a different abandoned mall. Like that's where they're hiding out. And she's trying to search for the supplies in there. And then obviously because it is a video game, there are infected and there are human enemies and Mm -hmm. Ellie has to overcome them. Like I, I get that. Like I get, and I get why that is in the game because that is, Unique gameplay. <laughs> yeah, it's unique gameplay, and it's a thing that endures you to Ellie. It's a thing that gives some character growth to Ellie. But, you know, in TV shows and stuff, you don't do character growth through action often. Right. Like, it mm-hmm. can be done a little bit, but, you like, not to the degree that it happens in video games. Like, the, the largest chunk of time you spend in the video game, you're controlling the characters, you're stealth, you're shooting, you're whatever the case may be. Um, that's most of the the runtime of the game is you playing the game. And that can't be the case in the show. And Mm -hmm. they have way less time to flesh out. Like they have to do the the story and you've only got so much time to do that with. And on top of that, you, I mean, obviously they're, is some action in this episode, but it's kept to a minimum. But everything that they do is in service of the plot and the story, which is something they have not deviated from at all. Like the core aspects of the story of the last of us have been intact the whole time at the end of, 
at the end of this episode, we are right where we are at the end of the DLC. It is yeah. the same thing. It's just how did Ellie get the supplies? Well, she just rummaged through the house that they were in, as opposed to being in a storage garage locker or whatever in an abandoned mall. They already happened to be in a house here. The house had some supplies in it, but like nothing crazy, like a couple of supplies and some needle and thread, which, by the way, uh, as my daughter was pointing out, uh, way worse to use that than if you have like surgical needle and thread, because those are honestly, yes, (laughs) those are so much smaller (laughs) and thinner. And this was just like stabbing him with a big needle and then running like real thread. Like, I bet that sucked. But Um, and it, it, it's like a teenager doing it to you. <laughs> yeah, who has no training. <laughs> no. no idea what she's doing. Um, I thought they did like a really great job. A couple of times, there were a few moments where it felt like it was maybe running a little too... Like, they showed... If I'm going to be nitpicky, I thought they showed... I think they spent way too much time on them traversing to the mall. I agree. Like they spent quite a bit of time on them getting there. I think that could have been maybe shortened up a bit. I loved the insight into the Fedra military school. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really fascinating. Something we didn't get to see in the game at all. And it sort of puts this light on Fedra. And in the, I was listening to Neil Druckmann talk about it. He's like, it was almost on the verge of Fedra propaganda. Because they Mm. kind of put them, at least this one guy, sort of like in a good light. Like this guy sees something in Ellie. He likes her. He wants her to, you know, she. He doesn't want to see her. He seemed like a good mentor for her. Yeah, he doesn't want her to have a crappy life. Um, You know, but he's like, hey, we're keeping this place glued together. Now, obviously, some places, uh, Fedra was doing terrible and horrible things, and when it collapsed, the people devolved into terrible and horrible people doing terrible and horrible things and it just didn't stand up like in kansas city and Mm -hmm. i'm sure other places though uh it it wasn't nearly as bad although you know like in last of us part two we see the washington liberation front and parts of them are good but parts of their ideology are also bad it's kind of the uh the complexity of people are on display here. And it's something right. that they do a lot in last of us part two of being like, okay, not everybody here is a mustache twirling villain. And just yeah. because Fedra seems like they're all mustache twirling villains, they're not like some of it's good. Yeah. Some of it's bad. And no, and honestly, like yeah. uh, no spoilers for the second game. Yeah. Anybody listening has not played it. Yes. But one thing that they do really good is that, the line between a villain and a hero is very blurry. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. get to see the perspective of someone that, in another circumstance, you would think a villain. Mm-hmm. But you get to, like, actually see where they're coming from. And in, at the end, you don't know who the bad guy is. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so. it's really tough to, to walk in someone's shoes. And uh, right. especially if especially if you don't have any context or perspective of what that looks like. And in the second game, they give you some of that perspective and it's something that they've been doing in the show as well. Uh, even the residents of Kansas city, they seemed pretty bad, but they were not black and white, you know, 
Uh, no, I mean, in cases of survival, like, it's really hard yeah, to see who yeah, is the like, hero and who's the villain. Yeah, but. in the game, and especially in the first game, they're just nameless, faceless, essentially mm-hmm. bad guys that you have to mow down. But there's more nuance to it. Um, there's yeah. reasons behind what they're doing. Even if what they're doing isn't great, it's understandable where they're coming from. And some people are sympathetic and some people are not. But mm-hmm. there are lines drawn. It's just they're not straight lines. They're squiggly lines all over the place and it's kind of messy because that's Mm -hmm. what it's like to be human i thought there were so here's here's the thing let me i'll I'll continue to be nitpicky a little bit but this is only nitpicky in a in a very specific way so one of the things that riley does to to sort of ease because i feel like the whole reason riley is doing this for ellie is to sort of ease the news that she's going to be leaving. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she does when she takes her to the mall is takes her to this arcade, which is a thing that happens in the game, of course. Mm -hmm. But in the game, they they don't have the rights to anything else. So the game that uh, Ellie plays Mm -hmm. in the game is like Mortal Kombat-ish, but not exactly. And in the game, that particular... Uh, that particular arcade game is not working. So there's this very sweet moment where Riley has you close your eyes and she imagine. Yeah. yeah imagines it and like walks you through playing it. So Ellie sort of feels like she's getting to play it. And it's this really sweet moment here. Mm-hmm. Things are a little bit different when you've got HBO money to play with. And <laughs> all of the stores were like, I saw a CVS and a gap and yeah. a Victoria's secret and there's all these other things, and they have Mortal Kombat. They so Ellie and Riley just straight up play Mortal Kombat too, uh, mm-hmm. which was also very enjoyable. In fact, right before we started recording this, I just saw a tweet from Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat, who was just <laughs> tweeting at Neil Druckmann to be like, "This is so surreal! It's so amazing!" And Neil Druckmann was like, "Thank you for giving me hours of like enjoyment when I was skipping school." <laughs> And, uh, but it was so, it was so cool. I even loved the, like, how do I play? And Riley's like, just smash the buttons. (laughs) And it's like, that is how I played every arcade game ever until I learned how to play video games properly was just joystick and button mash. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but she taught her, we got to, we got to even see a fatality. Yeah. She taught her some fatalities. Like that was pretty cool. Uh, I, they did the bit where Riley gives her another, uh, pun book and mm-hmm. they excluded the bit where you play with super soakers mm-hmm. uh, they excluded that bit but I mean that makes sense and I think they kind of mashed a couple of bits together as well because uh, I don't think that you're dancing around in the Halloween store at the end but they they like they combined that and it was perfect and they did the but kiss, you do get to like perfect. wear the mask and the halloween yeah story. absolutely yeah. and the song that they were playing is the song the exact song that they're yes. dancing to in the dlc as well like yep. all of that stuff was perfect i thought they absolutely nailed it i know some people are like we didn't spend any time with her and joel but you don't really in the dlc either no it's mm-hmm. very little at the very beginning and very little at the very end but the stuff that they did in this episode with them were both very powerful. I loved mm-hmm. at the beginning when he's trying to get her to just leave and go back to Tommy. And when she thinks back to what happened with Riley, 
Like she didn't leave Riley. Like that's that's right. what it boils down to. Like they they could have taken the easy way out, and and luckily they didn't because Ellie did not know that she was immune up until that mm-hmm. moment. And luckily they spare us, like they do in the DLC. We don't see Riley's fate in the DLC. They spare right. us that here as well. But I think we can all put two and two together here as to what happened. Uh, I'm sure that Ellie at some point realized that she wasn't changing and that Riley was mm-hmm. and presumably had to put her down or escape, right. uh, but presumably right. put her down. And, but that- you know, I think that, that even if, if uh, we didn't get to see Joel a lot in this episode, we still solidify the relationship because they're comparing it to the one that she had with Riley. Yes. Uh, and even though with Riley was like more of a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. she at this point loves joel yes and Uh, no a hundred percent she loves joel Mm -hmm. the i mean and he loves her right back it's and this was the moment i feel like it was sort of solidified here like she thought Mm -hmm. back to what happened with riley and clearly she loved riley had a crush on her all of this stuff and when things were at the absolute worst possible moment, like hard to get worse than where they were at. Mm-hmm. They decided they were going to stick together no matter what. And that's when she's like, you know what? I'm not going to leave Joel here. Like if this is where it ends for him, this is where it ends for me too. And I'm not going to let it end for him. And she did mm-hmm. everything she could to try to find stuff to make him better. And then when she went back to him, there was this moment where he, she holds his hand and he squeezes and yes. it oh my god like you don't need to spend 20 more minutes with them no. like that yeah. was everything right there yeah. yeah that that said everything you need to know about the relationship right mm-hmm. like that's the that's i mean they could have done this in the game too but how they play things out differently obviously with gameplay loops and things like that on a tv show like this is like chef's kiss television. Like you don't (laughs) need to do like 10 minutes of dialogue of Ellie, you know, pouring her heart out to Joel. Like that squeeze literally said everything. It was like, and it's better than, you know, dialogue. Yeah. I mean, it was everything. It was like, I'm glad you're not leaving. I love you. Like, please help. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're with me. It said a million things right there without saying any words. And I thought it was brilliant Mm -hmm. uh you know so there there are some things that i absolutely loved and there were a few things that i felt were kind of nitpicky i mean this is still a great episode of television Mm -hmm. uh it's it's one of the seven best episodes of this show i've seen aurora and (laughs) it's probably it's not it's not top two but you know it's in that it's in that mix with everything else and I mean, I, it's probably not even top three. I think I, I'm pretty firm in what my top three episodes are right now, but this is pretty close. Like it's a, it's a great episode. It gave us everything we needed, uh, about Ellie's backstory. We learn more about who she is as a person mm-hmm. and what her relationship to Joel means to her. And then we got a preview for next week and it seems like all of this shit is hitting the fan. And in the preview for next week, also, there's a lot of focus on Troy Baker. So I'm wondering if he's going to get a substantial amount to do in this Mm -hmm. uh, 
in this episode. Well, I mean, when you get to the David section of the game, it's primarily David and then a bunch of nameless, faceless people that live where David lives. And there really isn't any, uh, there really isn't any other connection to any of those characters. And if there is one thing that this show has prominently done, it's like, we're not going to have nameless, faceless goons. Right. So it seems like Troy Baker may have some substance in this episode and I am curious as to what that's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be horrifying and <laughs> I am, I keep looking forward to it. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, excited's the wrong word. <laughs> it's a really like just gross and horrifying part of the game, but right. you know, looking forward to that horrible <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts, Aurora, on episode seven? Any anything else come to mind? Um, no, I, I like I said, I really liked it, um, and I really, really enjoyed the Mortal Kombat situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, they even had the uh, when you put in the quarter, like the boom sound effect. Like yes. every time you put in, I love that too. That brought back yes. some memories. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was really cool, and I was I was just thinking. I mean, it was it was kind of surreal for me to see that because this might be a controversial uh, statement, but mm-hmm. I I like the Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, like the first one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoy the first one. The first it's, one. The fir- it's one of, one of those bad movies that is yeah. entertaining. Yeah, right? it's not like uh, the second movie. The second movie was no. The second movie is garbage. Yeah, but- it's, it's so bad. It's bad. <laughs> But the first one the is first, so bad. The it's first good. one is is very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. To me, it was kind of like a surreal moment where I'm kind of like, okay, we're watching, I'm watching a video game that I grew up with that yeah. has a movie that I enjoy. Yes. Inside of a show of a video game that, that I, I really, that I really currently like. love. Yes. <laughs> and it was kind of like this weird, like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Um, it's cur- yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was nice. I yeah. loved the and I just. There was one moment that actually made me sad uh, that I didn't realize. Uh, so when we meet past Ellie in the Fedra Military School, she's mm-hmm. doing laps around a gym, but she's listening to Pearl Jam on a Walkman. Yep. And I'm like, oh, my God, that must be a nod to the second game. And because uh, the song they play in the second game is my favorite Pearl Jam song of all time ever. And I just now realized that when they make a second season of the show, if they do that scene, it can't be that song because the pan, like the infectious outbreak happened in 2003 in the world of this show. And that is well before the album on which that song exists came out. So they would not be able to use that. They would not be able to use that song. And this show has actually been pretty good. Uh, in avoiding anachronisms. I think there was like somebody spotted like one anachronism in the first episode, like when Ellie is at the the evil granny's house. Uh, she's not evil, everybody, but you know, she turns <laughs> into a monster later. The the granny, the the biscuits. You the you want biscuits yeah, house. Yeah. Uh and she grabs a borrows a movie for her and Joel to watch. And somebody spotted like on the uh on the 
like the shelf of DVDs, there was like a Trolls movie that wouldn't have come Mm -hmm. out for like four or five years or something after the events of this episode. So it's like, ha, an anachronism because people always look for these things. I wonder if there's people just just spend their time doing Of course there are. Well, (laughs) like in, in the last episode, when Maria gives Ellie a diva cup, somebody was like, good news, it's not an anachronism. Those were introduced in 2003. So there oh would be, <laughs> so there, they would exist. <laughs> they would exist in this timeline. That's plausible. Uh, but that Trolls movie, not accurate. Um, <laughs> but I think it would be, uh, I think it would be a little weird for them to uh, include a Pearl Jam song that wasn't released until like, 2013 Hmm. uh that would have been i think that might be a little uh off off center but uh they do have aha's take on me she did have the cassette for this Mm -hmm. Uh, so Mm -hmm. it's so bizarre to me that they had a walkman yeah and cassettes uh i mean 2003 i know that they would still be around a little bit but like Discman would be way more prominent, wouldn't you think? Like true, there'd be a true. million CDs and Discman out there. Uh, it's, they would all take the same battery, so I don't know why <laughs> there would be a Walkman more likely than a than a Discman. But I mean, Walkmans are cooler, though. You know what? Maybe all the CDs got scratched up, and when the when the outbreak happened, that, like that, that makes sense to me. They have to go back to the Walkman because the the tape still worked, and they they yeah. aren't as they aren't as easy to damage as CDs, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. uh, look at that, Aurora. I just fixed the timeline. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome, Neil. Yeah, yeah calm down, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we fixed it. It's okay. Uh, that's one thing we solved for the show. But yeah, there literally are people out there who look for those things to be like, wait, hold on, is that a real thing? Uh, I wonder did, how many times they would have to watch the episode to spot something. No, <laughs> I mean, look, I am one of those people. This is going to out me as like a weird creep, but uh, <laughs> I am one of those people where, like, if Aurora were to send me a picture of her dog, but like, there's a shelf <laughs> with like movies on it, I will be the guy to like zoom in to see if I can see what <laughs> movies they have in their home, because uh, that stuff is apparently in- interesting to me. So, <laughs> like, oh, what what video games do they have? Noted, noted. <laughs> Every, from now on, it'll just get pictures, but like the background will just be redacted. I know what you're up to. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I I could be one of those people, but I don't I don't go that deep in it. Like somebody was mm-hmm. like, "There's a Trolls movie from like 2010 or whatever," and it's like. Okay. Like, I would have never have noticed had you not pointed it out to me. <laughs> Maybe in that timeline, they made the Trolls movie much earlier. Clearly. We're not living hey, in the yeah. same timeline. It's, it's yeah. possible. It's possible. Um, anyway, Aurora, <laughs> any other final thoughts and what would you give episode seven? I gave this episode... Uh, listen, I don't feel comfortable giving this show anything lower than a four and a half. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a four and a half. Yeah, I, I gave it a four and a half as well. <laughs> An, another just disappointing, really, really good show. Yep. I mean, it is below the bar of perfect. Yeah. So. How dare you do a good show? <laughs> well, they have two more episodes to get it perfect, Aurora. And true, true. Uh, I have a feeling 
I have a feeling we may get there, so we shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the podcast for this week. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show, of course. This is a listener-supported podcast, and there are a couple of ways you can help out there if you so choose. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, geeklymerch.com. The links for those are in the show notes for this episode. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for clickerbait, two words. I don't think I have to mention those other clickerbait people, Aurora. (laughs) I think everybody knows by now who the coolest and bestest Last of Us podcast is. And it's not I Troy Baker's podcast. I, I was literally talking to someone that was asking about the name of this show. And yeah. I was like, I looked on Google. And I'm like, it's this one, not this one, this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, find the right one, find the cool one and uh, hit yes. subscribe. And that way you can join us next time when we're going to talk more Last of Us season one, episode eight called When We Are in Need. I'm just a over Jordan I'm just a girl